Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Holmes Glen, the course leader in sports media and sports business degrees. They are all on offer now. Make sure you check out the Holmes Glen website. They are the leader in sports media and sports business degrees. Sam Duncan joins us on a Tuesday, as he has been, and I've been away each time you've been here, Sam. Uh, called to other duties, so it's wonderful to meet you in person for the first time. Um, the producer, Jordan, has been uh, hosting this show more than I have uh, for the year, but it's great to meet you in person uh, and wrapped to have you here. Fantastic to be here. Fantastic to be here, Sam, and uh, yeah, even better to be in the studio. Absolutely. Now, um, <laughs> let's have a chat about... Uh, You've you've mentioned uh, to me, as we were exchanging emails throughout the course of the day, that Gil McLaughlin, who announced last week that he is stepping down uh, at the end of the season, that there's a, a parting gift from Gil. What's the parting gift from Gil that you're alluding to here? Well, it's going to be really interesting because um, I'm referring to the next round of the AFL media rights. Now, the AFL... You know, as we approached COVID and sort of COVID hit, extended their current agreement with Channel 7 and Fox Footy. I mean, when the deal was done in 2017, it was $2.5 billion, a record, making it the biggest, most expensive sport in Australia. So technically, there's a couple of years to go on this current rights round uh, before the new rights will take effect. But uh, one gets the feeling that uh, Gil McLaughlin might move things forward a little bit. Apparently he sent out a, 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 an invitation for expressions of interest to all networks only a couple of weeks ago uh, with the intent, one would assume, to perhaps do a new deal before he exits stage right. Well, it's going to be uh, one of the big ticket items for him before he finishes up and, and I, I think it's widely accepted that that's going to be something that he's keen to lock in uh, before he rides off into the sunset. Uh, so, hang on a minute. Uh, so just with the, the rights deal, uh, we're talking all things sports media with our sports media expert, Sam Duncan. What are you expecting from the next media rights? What could we think that might be coming in terms of a change? Are there going to be new players? You know, Thursday night footy, are we expecting that to be parceled off? What's your, what's your gauge on, I think it's probably going to be the most pivotal um, broadcasting. We say this about every broadcast deal, but it seems like it's going to be incredibly pivotal given what they need to get done with AFLW. Um, Do the players get an increase in the 28% of the revenue that they get? What are you expecting that might happen and make things a little different in the landscape for the broadcast rights deal? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with Thursday Night Footy. I mean, they've already broadcast very much that they plan to do a lot more of that going going ahead. But there's kind of quite a few layers to this, Sam. I mean, to be frankly honest, it's never been more difficult for television to make a buck. 
It just isn't. Mm. I mean, they've traditionally made their money through advertising, and once upon a time, it was a very cosy little setup that they had where re- advertising revenue was shared between TV, radio, and print, and TV was king. Now we have social and digital media, and have had for a long time, but for the first time, well, ever in the last couple of years, more advertising revenue has gone to digital media not traditional broadcast media. And in fact, about 60 to 80 cents of every new dollar spent in digital advertising goes to Facebook, Google and YouTube. It doesn't leave a lot for everybody else. So here's the thing. We live in this environment where it's never been more difficult for TV to make a buck. But the AFL will be hoping for another record media rights, which historically they make from traditional broadcasters, Channel 7 and Fox Footy. So I think what's going to be really interesting in the next ride is the digital rights. Mm. I mean, you know, there's where the growth is. Broadcasting viewership is down by about 20% over the last four years. Now, if they're not watching TV, what are they watching? They're watching streaming. Uh, Digital media, which Seven don't have, for example. Um, And the catch... They've got their app, though, don't they? The Seven Plus app. Well, they do, but you can't watch the can't footy via that, that because yep. it's on KO. It is. Uh, now, this is where a lot of people are going to KO, but from a Fox footy or a Foxtel perspective, they don't recoup all of their costs from the much cheaper streaming um, subscription. They would prefer everybody to have the Foxtel subscription. So they're in a bit of a flux. So one wonders whether, you know, we are going to see new players come in, whether, you know, Amazon would get involved, Mm. whether uh, Channel 9 together with Stan will get involved, whether Paramount Plus and Channel 10 will get involved. And so one wonders whether we could go back to a model we've previously seen where we've had more than one free-to-air organisation broadcasting the footy along with the pay TV uh, subscription channel in in Foxtel. So that was the Channel 9, Channel 10 shared arrangement uh, where Channel 10 had all the grand finals. Uh, Friday Night Footy was with Channel 9 and you parcel off different portions uh, of, I suppose, the weekend schedule. NFL do it uh, and a lot of the networks get a little piece that they can uh, package up as their own. You would expect that if you were going to do it like that, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night would be the marquee, the, the, the key slots, probably Friday, Thursday, then Saturday in that order. What about event games like Anzac Day, um, Dreamtime, Easter Monday, we saw you know just under 50,000 there yesterday, and I'm sure would have done decent numbers as well. Are those things that you're expecting that would be parceled off as their own entity? Look, they could be. In saying that, if they could find a, a broadcaster, like if Seven wanted to go back to the table and say, listen, mm. we're willing to give you more, um, uh, but this is what we want, A, B, C and D, I think the AFL would want to deal with them. There's a couple of, or, or, or uh, one or two, there's a couple of reasons for that certainty for the viewer and for the organisation as well. Like Channel 7, the reason why broadcasters still want live sport, even though they're having trouble making money, is because it gives them certainty. Like they can't tell you how 
uh, My Kitchen Rules or, or Married at First Sight or The Voice or whatever will be rating in five times. But they can tell you with some certainty what a marquee match will rate even in five years' time from now. So they can build their whole program around it. It also gives them a massive billboard with a million people watching to advertise all of their current shows. So they springboard off the back of sport. But for that to work, they, in Australia at least, would want those marquee matches. Mm. You know, the market is quite small, so they want all the marquee matches that attract a million viewers, that allow them to advertise all of their other programs on, that allows them to actually make a buck from what is a huge expense. So I think the preferred option for the AFL and the broadcaster will be a model similar to what we see. But of course... The other thing is, Sam, technology and where that takes us um, and and different ways of viewing sport. And, and increasingly, we're seeing tailored kind of bespoke products that allows us as viewers to watch the sport from the angle we want, with the commentators we want, um, from, you know, the different vantage points that we choose, or even for me and my mates, my five mates, to be watching a screen and chatting along the right-hand corner column while we watch the footy play out, you know, on the rest of the screen. See, All of this is possibly ahead. So you're talking a situation almost like where what people do with online gaming, where they can be speaking to someone while they're playing or in this case watching, or like uh, which people have been caught out so many times uh, during the, um, the, the, the video meeting, the Zoom meeting era writing messages to one person and accidentally sending it to all. You're saying that you, to be able to have like, almost like a live WhatsApp chat of what you're watching uh, whilst you're watching it with the mates that are also doing it as well could be a big part. And so it's really about how creative you can get about what the the viewer experience is, yep. which then puts even more pressure on the AFL to make sure that the attendee experience is something even better so that it's not just so much better to be staying at home, which we're battling at the moment as we you know creep our way out of um, COVID lockdowns over the last couple of years. So how does all that, how does all that look from your point of view? We're speaking to Sam Duncan from Holmes Glen. Um, this is our sports media overview for Holmes Glen, the uh, Holmes Glen course leader in sports media and sports business degrees. How does it all look and who are in the frame to be able to take that particular style of viewing and bring it out um, into the world? Well, that's very much going to be led by the digital um, uh, components. And and when I talk about digital, that doesn't mean I'm discounting Seven, for example. As no, no, not at all. As you've outlined. It, it, wouldn't, it their... won't work without them carrying the bulk of the weight of it. Correct. And they've got their digital and platforms. Fox. I mean, we, mm. we, once a, we, we one day might be watching Channel 7, but not through traditional broadcasting channels. We're logging on to the app to mm. watch Channel 7, and therefore they'll want a bigger slice of the digital pie. Um, but there are some watches. I mean, you know, Facebook, for example, that allow this very social dynamic when you're watching or, or, or engaging or consuming their sport have already put their hand up in other sports and said, yeah, we're very interested. I mean, they didn't get the rights to the IPL, but just four years ago, they um, offered up over $600 million US dollars for the IPL rights. Now, it wasn't the highest bid. No. Star Sports outbid them. But with that bid, they almost signalled, hey, yeah, we're interested in this sort of stuff as premium content. 
content because it's premium content that's going to get eyeballs in a really you know competitive market. Amazon's increasingly looking at sport. I mean, they've got NFL, um, they've got the tennis over in the UK. If you want to watch any form of ATP to a tennis, you're going Amazon. Uh, and then, of course, we have our hybrids, which are which are our um, traditional broadcasters that are trying to monetize sport by showing some in front of the paywall, i.e. Channel 9, uh, and then some behind the paywall, Stan. Yep. So that could be a model that works too, but it's the technology, the digital technology that's going to drive the really social experience. And should we be alarmed, Sam, or worried about the about the influence of, of people like Amazon, Netflix, and the like, there's restrictions on what can be and can't be advertised at certain points, and some of those restrictions get tighter and tighter, which then restricts the amount of money that broadcasters can make uh, to recoup what they've shelled out for these things. Those companies that you mentioned aren't bound by the same laws as our Australian-owned broadcasters and wouldn't have to adhere to them and can do and advertise whatever they want, however they want. Is that yeah. a concern? Look, look it is um, in some respects, but I, the Australian landscape is currently this. The difference between a big sport in Australia and a small sport in Australia is not only the size of its media broadcasting rights, uh, but it's who owns the broadcasting right. And still free-to-air television is king when it comes to accessibility. And most sports want their product to be as accessible as possible. And so that's what free-to-air offer. Still, still in 2022, only about a third of Australians um, watch uh, sport on pay television or pay streaming services. The rest rely on free-to-air television. So for your sport to be popular, it needs to be seen. For it to be seen, it needs to be accessible. And still free-to-wear provide that. And at the moment, they're also providing the big bucks. The question is, where's the fork in the road? I mean, we don't live in a fantasy land. We know that sport needs more money continually. And they've got that since the turn of the century. They have got exponential growth in their TV broadcast revenues. About 60 to 70% of all revenues in the AFL come from their TV broadcasting rights. In cricket, it's 80%. So if that contracts, so too does the game. So they are going to have to juggle this up, accessibility and what they want for the fan versus the commercial realities. And adding to this complex fork in the road is what we opened with. It's actually never been more difficult for television networks to make a buck than it, has, than it is in 2022. Maybe throw the old radio networks in there, there as well. We 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 hold up our end, uh, and and that money, of course, that uh, the broadcasters pay, uh, goes to paying about uh, seventy five to eighty percent uh, of the players' wage uh, as well. Hey, Sam Duncan's with us from Holmes Glen as we shine a light on sports media. Uh, they are the experts in that field at Holmes Glen. Make sure you do jump on their website. Stay there, Sam. There's a really interesting one I saw about Ash Barty and uh, what her retirement may have done to a, a rights holder for tennis. Uh, we'll get you to give us the update on that on the other side of this. And we'll do some footy tinder on the other side of that. This is a Sporting Capital, SEN. A uh, bit of news from the MRO. Tom Hawkins has avoided a fine. 
But the MRO's take on yesterday's, uh, which is the MRO's take on yesterday's free kick is, it was the view of the MRO that Hawkins exaggerated the contact, but that his actions did not constitute a reportable offence. No further action was taken. Give us your thoughts on that. one 736 736 It is quite ironic that Tom Hawkins was speaking about possibly Harris Andrews exaggerating the push from him <laughs> against the Lions last week, and he is a very big man, and I would imagine quite hard to move, but, geez, didn't he just fly through the air? Extraordinary strength shown from the Hawthorne defenders. No uh, fine there for the Tomahawk, uh, who I love, but uh, that was he certainly milked that in every sense of the word. Um, James Warple, there we go. Brain just stopped ticking for a minute. Uh, James Warple, $2,000 fine for rough conduct against Mitch Duncan. Uh, we are speaking of Duncan. Sam Duncan is still with us uh, from Holmes Glen, talking all things footy media. Holmes Glen are the course leader in sports media and sports business degrees. What's his story to look at, Sam, in regards to Ash Barty? And I don't think it meant to um, cast a, a shadow over her announcement of retirement. But there is a view that it could have a massive financial impact on the rights holder of the tennis. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? The one person could have this impact. Mm-hmm. But following this year's edition of the Australian Open, where, of course, Ash Barty reigns supreme, um, Channel 7 kind of announced that they were interested in re-entering negotiations to get back the tennis, if you like. Now, this was off the back of an extraordinary Australian Open that started really badly for Tennis Australia and ended up yes. unbelievable. And it finished uh, with Ash Barty playing in a final that generated more than 4 million viewers. Now, at the end of the year, when we're looking at the most watched programs, forget sporting events, programs on TV, that's going to be right at the pointy end. Uh, and there was a view that this would continue because she's 25. And for the next five or so years, there was the view that Barty would go deep into the tournament and turn um, a million viewers into two or two into four and therefore um, make it a very valuable product. Now, with her retiring and some of the champions of the game getting a little bit older, you know, we're talking Nadal and Federer and even Djokovic and Serena Williams, uh, there's now the question mark that perhaps it could lack the star power that was so evident only a few months ago. So Channel 7 say they're still interested. Channel 9 are definitely interested. I mean, it raises a really interesting point of what about the cricket? Well, what about the cricket? I mean, how important are stars in selling a product into people's lounge rooms? I mean, we see that the Big Bash is a prime example of what can sometimes happen when you don't have the biggest and most recognisable names as as part of your tournament. Um, You just don't get the same buy-in. I mean, uh, footy is a little bit different because we buy into our club and then the Mm. players that wear the jumper in their time in the game, we embrace them for the time that they're there and then those jumpers get filled by other people. But you essentially support the clothes. Yeah. um, and the club, how important is it to have the big names to get the maximum amount of eyeballs? Hugely important. I mean, the most important investment you can get from the fan is the emotional investment, but a lot of sports mm. don't have it. I mean, the footy does have it. Um, when it comes to Big Bash, maybe some young fans have got the emotional investment. The rest are watching for um, the entertainment value. And a product is at its best. It's at its most entertaining when you have premium talent participating. And we know from research with Generation Z and 
millennials uh, that they love stars. I mean, that's why they watch. When mm. I ask students who they barrack for in the NBA, so many of them don't have a team. They've got favourite players that they watch. Uh, and so this is where the Big Bash has been found wanting. Um, it really is interesting because... Look, if we look at the two products, tennis goes for two weeks. The outlay is $60 million for Channel 9. They probably could have got it for cheaper. Over 14 million people watched on one of the Channel 9 platforms over a two-week period. That's worth its weight in gold. For the cricket, the tests rated well. Their, their ratings went up from the 2018 um, edition of The Ashes, and that's in a time where television audiences have actually declined. So big tick, but it's expensive, and so is the big bash. And that's partly why Channel 9 said, see you later, because although they were getting very good ratings for their tests and ODIs, it was costing them 30 to $40 million a year. Well, the same thing's happening for Seven. So they're saying to Cricket Australia, if you want us to come back to the well with more money, we need our cash cow, which make no mistake is the big bash, um, to be worth more than it is. And to do that, we need the star power. Always great to catch up with you, Sam Duncan uh, from Holmes Glen. It was good to be able to do it in person. Thanks so much for coming in. Holmes Glen are the course leader in sports media and sports business. Our sports media overview is for Holmes Glen. Sam Duncan runs the show there. Always a wealth of knowledge uh, in the world of sporting media. Sam, we'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you, Sam. See you then. Uh, 1-300-736-736. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.